0: SBS Radio.
1: And now it's time to explore the latest developments in science and technology with the uh, Wiradjuri woman and science and technology editor Ray Johnston. Welcome to NITV Radio, Ray.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Great to be here. Yes,
1: yeah, it's been a while, and now we start with uh, an interesting sh- story. showing that is living remotely, lack access to quality drinking water.
0: That's right. More than 400 remote or regional communities, they lack access to good quality drinking water, while about 8% of our population is not even included in reporting on access to clean water. And we know this because of research done at the Australian National University, where they reviewed public reporting by 177 water utilities to measure gaps in drinking water quality in regional and remote areas across the country. And what they did was they assessed the water quality performance against the Australian drinking water guidelines. Now, they provide guidance to water regulators and suppliers on monitoring and managing drinking water quality. And they found that over 25,000 people across 100 locations with populations of less than 1,000 people had accessed water services that did not comply with the health-based guideline values, and they also identified over 400 regional and remote locations. We're talking about a combined population of nearly 650,000 people that failed to measure up to either the health-based guidelines or the good good water quality uh, across taste, colour and odour, those parameters. So they also found that 40% of these locations we're talking about are actually remote Indigenous communities. So they say that our national water drinking uh, quality statistics, that they don't include service providers with less than 10,000 connections as well. So what this means is that we've got around 2 million people or about 8% of our population that aren't included in reporting on the Clean Water for All goal that the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals set out. And what that currently says, the progress report, it says that 100% of Australians have universal and equitable access to safe and affordable drinking water. And that is absolutely just not true. Our national statistics, they're misrepresenting the challenges facing households and water service providers across regional and remote areas. And we've got droughts, floods, unsustainable irrigation water extractions. We've got industrial pollution, ageing infrastructure, high costs and harsh environmental conditions affecting the water quality. And you you don't even need to go any further than to look at the 2019 citizens inquiry into the health of the Barker, the Darling River and the Menendee Lakes that highlight the severe impacts of poor water quality on the well-being of families and communities. So one of the solutions we're looking at here is to create a national drinking water database that the researchers are saying is urgently required, uh, you know, but there's gaps in, in the reporting that need to be addressed first. For example, the New South Wales government It doesn't require local water utilities to make annual reports available to customers. So about 1.2 million people in regional areas don't know what's coming out of their tap, even though the government has a database with all the results. So why don't they make that data public? And this study shows that we can and should create a national database so that we know once and for all (laughs) what water quality we are drinking.
1: Yeah, I hope this call really lands in the right place and uh, action is taken, uh, ACP, because uh, that's quite a huge number of people who go with uh, really unsafe drinking water. Absolutely. Yeah, and now another one that's a little bit befuddling there, it's the reef-manta-race social relationships, uh, this new discovery that these relationships depend on individual behaviour differences.
0: Yeah, this is a lovely one. This is new research from an international team of scientists that have uncovered new details about the variety of social personalities of reef manta rays. And the study has revealed that these rays regularly form social groups and that their relationships depend on individual differences in movement behaviour. So they tracked 27 manta rays with these acoustic transmitters so that they could understand the link between their movements and social behaviour. And they discovered that certain individuals, groups and locations play a really important role in sustaining the integrity of a wider social network among the Rays. And they found that these social communities were clearly defined by location and that community structures remained stable over several weeks to months. So they stuck around for a while. This study, it showed that some manta rays have stronger attachment to their physical location and forged strong social bonds with other local rays, while other individuals, they were a little bit more nomadic and they moved between different communities and were important in connecting the overall wider social network. So the researchers are saying that manta rays may have distinct social personalities or change those social behaviours over time and this is good to know because understanding manta ray's social dynamics will help us predict their movements and their mating patterns and their responses to human impacts and knowing all of this is crucial for supporting conservation and also ecotourism as well.
1: Wow, an interesting discovery there. And another one uh, that's uh, very interesting, it's about drones taking to the skies to plant seeds at Australia's biggest botanic garden.
0: Yeah, this is Airseed Technologies is the company that's working with Western Sydney University and also the Australian Institute of Botanical Science. They're working together on a a half-a-million-dollar research project that involves native seed pods being spread across targeted garden sites using drones. Now, drones are widely used for forestry purposes, but this project is looking at their use to establish a wide diversity of local Cumberland Plain native plants, which the Western Sydney Garden is home to. More than 52 million hectares of this country is now considered degraded land. That's important to know. And the curator of this garden said that the affected land at Mount Annan was previously a dense forest of the invasive weed uh, African olive. And after decades of olive invasion, there were very few native species remaining. So this project is a really fantastic opportunity to re-establish the original native Cumberland Plain vegetation and to create habitat on these, you know, ground zero cleared olive sites that they've got. What they've done is they've collected seeds specially from existing conservation areas at the garden and they're hoping to establish Cumberland Plain woodland and Western Sydney dry rainforest communities which are now critically endangered. And the researchers are saying that this type of seed direct seeding it has the potential to revolutionize native vegetation establishment and ecological restoration because you know the drones they contain these little preformed seed pods it's got the seed it's got the nutrients and it's got microbial inoculants in it as well so that will support the seedlings as they germinate from the pellet pods and establish only when the conditions are right so we'll see how this goes
1: Wow, very, very, very interesting. And another one, uh, last but not uh, least, it's about Aboriginal languages. Uh, It's proven that uh, they could help actually solve complex AI problems.
0: That's right. One, One Aboriginal language in particular could hold the key to solving some of the most challenging communication problems between humans and artificial intelligence systems. This is new research that was led by a University of New South Wales Canberra professor. And he explains how Jingaloo, a language spoken by the Jingali people in the Northern Territory, it has special characteristics that allow it to be easily translated into AI commands. So Jingaloo is unique, even among Aboriginal languages, because it has just three verbs. Come, go and do. So what it effectively does is communicate spatial movements. And for researchers working in AI, this is a dream come true because it is a language that can translate straight into AI commands. It's a human language that we can understand and it's a language that is born and used in Australia to support research and innovation that are born and used in Australia as well. And the researchers that have been working on this work with swarm systems and this is where groups of robots or they call them AI agents work together to solve very complex problems or perform tasks and these systems they actually draw their inspiration from sheepdogs where you have a few sheepdogs that can control a large flock of sheep now they've investigated systems that rely on gestures and direct commands and even music but they all had their challenges you know, they either had a richer language than what scientists needed or they didn't map exactly to the mathematics that they use for guidance and control of these robots. Mm-hmm. And this all changed one day when, out of curiosity, the researchers were you know, searching for studies that looked at you know, the syntax of Aboriginal languages and then working alongside the University of Canberra linguistics experts and also Defence Science and Technology Group as well, they created j which is the language inspired by Jingleu. And that language can now be applied to any situation where communication between humans and a large number of AI agents or, or robots are needed. So isn't that incredible?
1: It's incredible, really, really wonderful. I'd like to see actually the report itself and read it and find out a bit more about it. it sounds sounds uh, really exciting.
0: Absolutely. Well, what I will do is I will pop a link on my Instagram. So any listeners who want to read the link to that study, you can just follow me on Instagram and I will have the link up there in my bio.
1: That will be great. I'll be the first one to check it out. Ray Johnston, thank you very much for bringing to us some exciting developments in science and technology this week.
0: Not a problem at all. Thanks for having me. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from.